You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Tech Fan Podcast number 400 and no, yeah, 443. I had to think about that for a second, David. Is it 423 right. or is it 443? Four, four, what did I just say? You said 443. Four, yeah, it's 443. Four, four, yeah, I thought it was 423. But no, then what do I know? Yeah, well, obviously not a lot. <laughs> Apparently not. <laughs> I Who actually really cares renamed. what number it is. <laughs> no. Well, it only does because how I name the files. And I, I did screw that up a couple of weeks ago, and I tried to upload, and it kept saying, do you want to replace the file? And I'm like, no, I don't yeah. want to replace the file. This is a new file. And I realized, I think that was with uh, 421. Right. 441. I, yeah, but I had named it 421. <laughs> ah, right, I see. Yeah. Well, that's why I was confused, even though yeah. I didn't see you do that. No, it was os- <laughs> it, it was through osmosis. You could tell my FTPing, well, the, yeah, telekinetic, this, psychomatic. The thing is, yeah, because I'm not recording to a computer, so I don't name the files yeah. until after the show when I send them to you. Right. So that's why I never know what, what number it is, unless I go and check the website. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. So um, big news for me this last week, driving home from work Monday. I get a phone call, which is always irritating when I'm in the car, and I don't always answer it, even though I have Apple CarPlay and it's wireless and you know yeah. blah blah blah, because I'm listening to my audiobooks and I was actually at a really good part. Yeah, and it's work calling saying um, someone at work who I work with had tested positive for COVID and listed me as someone who had had close contact. Uh huh. Um, which was news to me. I mean, I had been somewhat around the guy, but not no real close contact. And we had both always been with masks on. Yeah. Um, I wear my masks, you know, in my, if I'm around anybody, I've had my mask on. Yeah. And if they don't have a mask, I stay away from them. Yeah. You know, and customers are even pretty good about it now. Most of them wear masks. Some of them get out of the car, forget they have a mask and apologize and go get their mask. So, do you have do you have any just as an aside? Do you have any other irritating people who wear a mask but pull it down over under their nose? Yeah, I've had a few yeah. of those people. Um, I then I don't call it a mask; I call it a chin diaper. <laughs> so, point being, whether I agreed that I had had contact with this person or not was immaterial. It was reported as such. Yep. So I had to get a COVID test before I can go back to work. So I missed all of Tuesday. Mm-hmm. So I had to swap my, my day off from Friday to Tuesday, which really sucks. And then, and of course, now that I know that I may have it, I couldn't really do anything on my day off. Yep. So went and got my test on uh, 145 on Wednesday afternoon. Mm-hmm. And that is an unpleasant test. I don't know if you've had one yet. We had to have Charlotte have one a couple of weeks ago. So that was even worse when you've got to do it for a kid because for a start, um, they won't won't let her do the swabs. So Leanne had to do the swabs. So that meant we all had to go out in the car and queue up and do it. And yeah, it's not very nice. No, she didn't get the rapid test, correct? Uh, Well, well, uh, I don't know what the different tests you have are. With the one we have, you, you put two swabs... Uh, you put you put uh, sorry, it's one swab. You have to swab the back of the throat, like the, both the tonsils, uh, and then also up the nose. And then you put that in a in a reagent vial. Snap off the uh, the end of the swab, put it in a bag, and give it to the guy. And then you get a result uh, within forty eight hours. 
Yeah. See, the rapid test, at least the one I had to do, is uh, nasal swab, but they go very, very deep. Right. Yeah. Because it's a 15-minute test. Right. So it's a brain tickler. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I made the joke and everyone laughs when they hear it. I said they went so deep I could uh, I could feel the uh, uh, the Q tip in my anus. <laughs> well, See, uh, everybody uh, laughs when the, they the deep swabs. You remember that scene from Total Recall where Arnold Schwarzenegger has to get the yep. the, <laughs> the tracker out, out of his, his sinuses? Yeah. <laughs> That's what it felt like, kind of. But no, it was it was awful. My eyes literally were watering for yeah. ten minutes. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, I didn't cry this much when my mom died. Yeah. It was awful. But good point was I was negative. So how re- how accurate are those tests? Because I, I think I, my understanding of the rules here in the UK is that if you get an exposure notification, either via app or by contact test and trace or whatever they call you up, um, because basically every public place we go into here, we have to register where we are, either with the app or um, by telling them our name and phone number. So if anybody then comes up with a positive test, they go around and they check where everyone's been and they let them know and all that sort of thing. My understanding in the UK is that if you get that notification, you, you can go and get tested if you want, but you still have to isolate for 14 days. Wow. No matter what. And I believe they, you know, if you're on low incomes, the government will pay you. I think they they'll give you a five hundred pound payment to try and tide you over, which isn't a lot of money for two weeks' work. But uh, there you go. Um, so I, I believe even with the test, I wouldn't be able to go back to work. Not that I'm going anywhere at the moment anyway. But if I was working somewhere like you do, where you go into a place, I probably wouldn't be able to go back for fourteen days. Uh, we have to have it. Um, I have to take in a, a negative test result, right? And then I can work. So I, they called me on the phone. I sat in the parking lot and waited. Yeah, and they called me, and it cost me a hundred bucks to get the rapid test. I didn't have to get the rapid test, but I didn't want to wait, like you said, forty-eight to however many hours before I can go back in. Because um, effectively, that was Wednesday. I would have missed the whole week. Yeah, which honestly doesn't sound so bad when you think, well, I could do a little mini vacation. But I have a vacation coming up the week of Christmas, and I, you know, when you're a commission worker, you don't really want to miss as much work. And so uh, they said, do you need it in writing? Because they called me and said, you're negative. And I said, yes, I do. So I walked in. They gave me a piece of paper. I handed it to uh, my bosses and got right back to it. Mm. Yeah, so it's interesting. I'm reading here. Apparently, that test is reasonably accurate if you have symptoms, which is one of the senses you read and think, duh. But I suppose you could have symptoms of something like covid with it with it being just a you cold you have the flu yeah. yeah yeah that's right um but the reason they go so deep is because they need to have a lot of mucus because that's where they're testing for levels of the virus right um so experts say you shouldn't treat rapid testing as a free pass to attend a party wedding or holiday gathering well, i didn't do any of those things which you know not. so i i think you know it sounds it sounds sensible to me bearing in mind you're taking lot precautions at work anyway um, yep. You know, you can probably uh, probably pretty much rely on that. But this is the difficulty: is you, you, we all assume we go and get a test. If it gives a negative result, that means we're all free and clear. And yet, science is not that is not that um, is not that uh, reliable always. Well, which you, is know, a shame, you know, as we discussed on um, Geeks Pub, Pfizer announced 
um, a week, a little over a week ago, that they have um, a ninety percent accurate vaccine now. Yeah, and they're looking to you know get an exemption and get it through the uh, F, you know the Food and Drug Administration as quickly as possible, so they can start distributing it. And what's kind of cool, at least uh, from the outside looking in, is that Pfizer is located in Kalamazoo. Yeah. And I work in Kalamazoo. And I've talked to people that are actually working on the project. One of them I sold a car to. And mm-hmm. he got a forerunner, by the way. Yeah. So, you know, if he's going into Hawk for that much money, he's pretty confident. <laughs> he's expected to live, yeah. Yeah. Um, so they have set up essentially two football field size areas an area of about the size of two football fields at the pfizer facility it's a huge facility out there in kalamazoo um and that they are planning the way they're going to distribute it has never happened in the history of the planet before the way uh, the way they have to freeze it um yeah, it has to be like it's, minus it's all yeah but it's all degrees and i understand technologies yeah you can take it out of that cold environment four times um, but once once you've done it more than four times, then that's it. So yep. it can go into a refrigerated truck for a short journey, but it can't, you know, it can't be air shipped from the factory or anything like that. At, no, yes, it, it can. With, it, uh, well, yeah, it has to be because under, under well, they're, they're conditions. developing. Yes, and that's yeah. what they're developing there. It's the, the so the main distribution for North America is coming right out of Kalamazoo. <laughs> they have already set up all of the logistics um, yeah. with these giant feet freezer trucks uh they're real close to the airport as it is they're on the you know just, it's literally right down the street from them really um a couple blocks over but down the street um and i could show you a google map of of what they're doing too but yeah they have already chartered 100 flights a day flying out of the kalamazoo airport with all the logistics going from the facility to the airport getting them loaded and a hundred flights a day. Yeah, that's the logistics of that. Sounds you're talking about wartime logistics, and it's a company like Pfizer who's doing it. I, I know. Well, to be honest with you, the logistics boggles my mind anyway. I mean, when you giant buy a cheap plastic tchotchke from the dollar store, yeah, the fact is is that is made in a giant factory, yeah, yep. that, that turns out hundreds of thousands of these things a day. Uh, and then distributes them all over the planet. Just that, for some cheap, you know, 99-cent key ring or whatever, boggles my mind. When you actually then... So so just general logistics for any product kind of is amazing. It's kind of... It it dwarfs your kind of um, ability to conceive as an average person. When you then go to this... Yeah, and it has to be specialised conditions. Yeah, so this is is like that on, uh, you know, to a million percent higher. Um, you know, this you have to ship a product that has to be well below zero all around the world. Uh, and then also, it's not just getting it there, it's then making sure that that chain of cold is maintained all the way to the delivery to the patient. And then you've actually got to keep track of the patients, get them in. They need two shots on this vaccine, not one. So you need two, three weeks apart. Um, it's not the sort of sh- shot that you take and walk away you have to sit down 15 minutes afterwards um this is really weird science this this uh thing it's gene not therapy it, well it's not quite gene therapy but what it's doing is is it's a mutation well, it, it is it, yeah it is it's a variation on gene therapy it's putting 
the the vaccine puts machine puts protein instructions into you that tells your body that programs cells in your body to make the protein that appears on the on the outside of the virus you know when we see those pictures and it looks like a spiky ball right you're you're basically programming your cells to make the spikes that are on the ball that immediately your immune system then recognizes as not something from you and and learns to attack it and that is why it's apparently such a successful um treatment in that um you know you can train people to recognize covid without giving them any form of covid which is all this the risk right it's always which the is risk with a regular when people vaccine. hear about vaccines they're usually thinking they are receiving uh dead cells if, if yeah. you will or, or a you dead can get vaccine. You, yeah or you can get live vaccines that have been treated so that they're right. they're not that's infectious. what the flu shot is exactly but the, the risk with those is that um there's always a risk that they can somehow mutate and become virulent again, or they might combine with virus particles in your body and, and make it worse. Yeah. And so nobody will almost do this, but this is actually cutting edge science. I mean, nobody's ever done a vaccine treatment like this before. And so, so my, my question to you, you've got the factory right there in Kalamazoo. Yeah. Um, so are you concerned about the safety of this? If they, if they kind of call around and said, uh, you know what? Anybody in the local area, come down. We'll give you a shot, or what? You'll, we'll arrange to give you the two shots. Whatever. Would you do it? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Without hesitation. Yeah, I would too. Now, here's the here's the second question: Would they do it if they said anybody can come and get a shot, but you got to pay us two and a half thousand dollars? No. No. No, because I got four people in my family. That would be ten thousand dollars. I don't have ten thousand dollars to get this. Yeah, but if you're the Socialism well, is evil. The government shouldn't have. To, oh wait, never no, mind. no, wait. Look, I, I, I'm just. I'm. What I'm trying yeah. to uh, trying to gauge is what people's attitude to this might be. Because I've got to be honest. I'd, if if I was offered given that question, I would have a a tough decision to make. Because I would take the view. Well, hang on a minute. If I get protected, then that means I can go out in the world and do things for the family with a lower risk of bringing it back into the house. And that means that I am, $2,500 is perhaps protecting my whole family. I think that's a tougher call to make. Yes and no, because you can't, you can't just have one person that's healthy enough to go venture into the world. It's got to be on a mass scale. Oh no, I I completely agree with you, but I'm just, I'm just wondering what, what people's attitudes to it are. And I think these questions are interesting to discuss i I mean here in the uk they're talking about um focusing treatments on health workers care home workers uh and then and then they and they kind of got a list and i think i'm uh, as we were just talking about before the show starts we forget how old we are at 50 plus we're at higher risk of of having a bad covid infection than younger people and we kind of forget that because we still feel like we're not that old um so I think at 50 plus, people at 50 plus are at the bottom of the eight or 10 categories they're going to give the vaccine to first. First ones are, you know, health workers, um, prime, you know, care workers. Then they're looking at people who work in logistics and delivery and food preparation and that sort of thing. Um, so they're going to turn around a line. That's going to be a long time. It will probably, I would imagine, be a different vaccine before they have something that's generally available to anybody. And that kind of makes sense because of that very difficult logistics chain to actually get its people um and i and i suppose that's what it is but it's going to be a while before we get to 
um, a situation where most people have had the vaccine and so we can start to reduce some of these uh, precautions we're taking in society. So, so here, here's the flip side of the argument. Should it be mandated that you get the vaccine? Well, this is, I think, uh, let, let me let me try and put this as, as cautiously as possible. I think mandating something should be the last resort. I think the, for, before you do that, you should spend a long time trying to educate and convince people that this is their in, in their interest. And as you but, do that, more and more people die. Well, it well it depends. How, it 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 all actually depends on the numbers. If a vast, if if, if a majority of people are getting vaccinated anyway, yeah, then you shouldn't mandate to pick up the last twenty percent. I don't think. Right, you need to get to about seventy seventy five percent vaccination rates to create herd immunity, and at that point your your viral distribution rate goes right down anyway because the virus even even the people who aren't vaccinated can't really spread that far um, outside of a community if you've got a community of people who won't vaccinate then it will spread among them but it won't spread outside of them so the general population is at more protection uh, and it also makes it much more easy to manage those flare ups because they're localized um so i think mandating something is uh, it should always particularly in public health it should always be a last resort because it, it brings along particularly in in this kind of uh politically divided world we live in at the moment it brings along a whole load of other social and, and political baggage that that many governments i think don't really want to engage with and deal with i mean you, yeah. unfortunately you can't beat these attitudes out of people no, you um, can't. You can't you know, fix stupid, and that's you know. Yeah. I kind of live by that mandate. You can't fix stupid. No, well, but, in fact, the only the way same, you can fix stupid with a virus like this is to let them get on with die. it, and then let them deal with the consequences as, yeah. as it calls out. You now, know, there is a whole anti-vaxxer thing that yeah. parents don't get their kids vaccinated, and then those kids are not allowed to attend school because yeah. they are not vaccinated by common from common diseases. But in a in a Western democracy, we kind of. I think I think we are, and the reason we we pay for things like police forces and health services in my country and things like that is because we recognise there are certain parts of society who will always do things that aren't in the interest of society, and society just kind of picks up the tab by operating services to support them. <coughs> the the difficulty with this is that, and the reason we can't just kind of let everyone get on with it in this case is that. The um, virus, if, if it's left uncontrolled, has the ability to overwhelm those services, over, overwhelm a health service, and then Correct. you know people die unnecessarily. If you can get enough people vaccinated, then you shouldn't need to mandate it, even for the people who, for whatever reason, insist on not being vaccinated and therefore yep. then pick up the virus, because society has the capacity to treat them. Whether you should have to do that or not is a very different question, and I yep. don't think that's a health services question. That's a far wider um, thing that I think, you know, America in particular is going to have to deal with. But it's interesting. As soon as they announced this vaccine this week, immediately on our media here in the UK, they started asking questions about what were people's attitudes to taking it, and would they feel it was safe? And, you know, you get a lot of people saying, well, it's been rushed, it's so new, I don't believe it's safe. Which, of course, they're saying because they, I mean, they're saying that without having any knowledge of, of how right. these things are tested. Well, it's ignorance. Yeah, I mean, it is ignorance, know. yeah. It's just a feeling. Yeah. You know, they have a feeling, well, if it's rushed, it can't, it can't be safe. But then I think somebody, uh, somebody made a very good point. They, they talked about the risk of an adverse reaction from any vaccine 
versus the risk of an adverse reaction to a COVID infection. And they said, you know, if you look at it that way, you know, you should do everything you can to avoid COVID infection because we don't understand how the infection affects pe- people differently. And if you get it bad, it is most definitely life-threatening. Whereas, you know, any vaccine reaction is not going to be like that. It's not going to be like thalidomide where it's causing um, birth defects or anything like that. It's going to be, you know, it might make you sick, but it's not going to make none of these virus, these vaccines are going to make you as sick as a COVID infection could. Yeah. Well, but, you know, again, you can't fix stupid and there's going to yeah. be a lot of people. I've had customers that say, oh, I would never take that. Are you kidding me? Or you get the wackadoos that, uh, you know, Bill Gates has backed Pfizer and they're putting <laughs> chips in there. Yeah. I'm like, oh, please get COVID. Yeah. Please. <laughs> yeah. I. Hmm. Yeah. I, as I was talking to a, a friend of mine the other day, it's like, you know, one one thing you, you can, can't say about today is not interesting times. Well, speaking of interesting times, you know, as as everyone knows at this point, Apple had an event uh, two weeks ago at this point now, right? Two weeks no, ago? no, it's last Tuesday. Oh, it's last Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, releasing uh, or announcing three new Macs using uh, the first generation of their custom Mac chips, uh, the M1. Yeah. And... I know you're buying one. You've already ordered one, correct? I'm expecting mine on Tuesday or Wednesday. Getting a Mac Air. I'm getting the the entry level MacBook Air, and the thing behind that was, I had, I say had because I I sold it in preparation for this event. I made sure to move it on before the event so that I can't. I didn't suffer many price reductions as a result of the event. Um, I had a 2019 um, 13 inch MacBook Pro with i think had a 1.4 gigahertz i5 quad core processor in and it was a nice machine this is a machine i bought when last year you know that 15 inch older macbook Mm -hmm. pro i was using it it, the graphics card failed on it um so i bought a machine quickly so i went and bought this so it's the yeah the 2019 with the butterfly keyboard and the touch bar the two thunderbolt ports It, it wasn't quite an entry level one it was one up from entry level i think um you know and it and it's a good mac but i didn't like using it very much I've got to be honest, wasn't the, the keyboard was okay. I had no problems with the keyboard, and the keyboard felt okay to me, but not brilliant. Um, the touch bar, touch bar, I actually used it more than I thought I would, but I could take it or leave it, really. Yeah. But really, the only thing I was doing on that machine was the occasional bit of, well, every week I would process the show on it because all the tools I used to take this recording and turn it into level it and then turn it to an MP3, put tags on it and send it to you are all on the Mac. And I wasn't using it much more than that. Every now and again, I occasionally get out and use it. Um, so it wasn't really serving good value for me. And I was kind of thinking in the back of my mind, I'm not comfortable owning for a long time a machine with the butterfly keyboard, even though that's the last version they did before they replaced it. And from what I'm hearing, they've probably fixed the issues in it by then. But nevertheless, I didn't want to keep a machine like that four years and find three years down the line the keyboard fails. Because as we know replacing the keyboard's a problem um i don't really need a lot of performance but i've got to be honest i didn't find the battery life of the machine particularly fantastic um no i've heard that from quite a few of the last generation of macbook pros that the yeah. batteries are not you know regardless of what apple may claim the real world is different yeah so yeah, and, and and the other thing is that machine it was particularly noticeable. It, as like I said, a quad-core Intel i5. It's particularly noticeable that fans will spit up, spin up pretty easily whenever you loaded it. Yeah, which was kind of a pain as well. Really, it it, it was okay. 
It wasn't anything so better than okay. why so, the entry-level MacBook Air M1? Right. So, uh, so I looked at that, and I thought to myself, first of all, I'm, I'm very interested to try these ARM Macs. I have an ARM Windows PC that I actually like quite much. So I think ARM is a, is a, is a good way to go. Um, I have issues with owning that particular machine long-term. So, uh, and uh, effectively, I thought <coughs> after a year, I can sell this and get most of the cost of what the new machine would be. Um, and in fact, I did. I think I paid about £125 more for the new machine. But choosing the entry-level MacBook Air, if you look at the MacBook Air and the MacBook Pro they've just launched, the MacBook Pro they've just launched is the equivalent of what I have now. It's basically the same case with an M1 in it. Um, the MacBook Air is the very well-received current MacBook Air um, with the same processor in. So I took the view that the uh, performance, well, I'm not like... Now, I'm not requiring the high-end of performance. I'm not editing, editing 4K video. But even the entry-level M1 is meant to be two to three times more powerful than what I currently have. That's fine for me. I didn't see the mon- see it worth the money to spend extra to go to the Pro over the Air, particularly as, as then I would be getting a Pro with a touch bar, which I don't really want. Um, and a so, fan. And a fan, which I don't need. Yeah. So the entry-level MacBook Air, I thought, was the perfect... I think it's the perfect machine for most people, to be honest. A thousand, thousand pounds, thousand dollars. Um, it's got... It, it must Whatever the performance difference is between that and the higher-end ones and the one in the Pro, it must be pretty marginal because the whole point about this chip is it's meant to be, you know, knocking it out the park right across the board. So I just, I just didn't think that those, those higher-end specs were worth the extra money, to be honest. So the, um, the entry level spec has two fifty six gig SSD and an eight gig of RAM. That's perfectly perfectly enough for me. Um, so that's what I did. I'm looking forward to the first wave of customers. I think Guy Cyril bought one too. Yeah. Um, although, if I had to guess, and I didn't see what he got, but I'm, if I had to guess, I would think he would go with a Mac Mini. Right. Um, I'm curious to see what people's reactions to and and how they perform. I think for the average person they're going to be way more than adequate. I think they're going to be feel snapped, especially if you're coming off four or five-year-old Mac. It's going to seem, you know, night and day better. Well, I, I've seen Geekbench reviews. Uh, Geekbench, because obviously people are running the, them in tests. So that, so these Geekbench and things like that, Specmark and what have you, will, will log their reviews on the web. So people have been seeing those come up. And even entry-level MacBook Airs, are running the equivalent of somewhere between an i7 or an i9 16-inch MacBook Pro in the numbers yep. they're generating, which is insane. Absolutely. And this is one of the reasons why I thought the entry-level one's fine, because it's already more than enough for virtually everybody. Um, and I, I did find it interesting. I, I as, as, as is my want, I went to Reddit after the event to see what the uh, Apple fanboys were saying. And it was interesting. Most of the... Um, the feedback on there was quite negative. Uh, really? <laughs> yeah, it really was. And I've seen this across the web. I've seen a couple of commenters and a couple of um, editorial posts on blogs and that sort of thing. And it's a little bit negative. And it all goes along the line of, oh, it's only supports a maximum of 16 gig of RAM. That sucks. Um, oh, it's only got this many cores. Oh, it's going to thermal throttle. So it doesn't matter how fast it is because as soon as you hit it hard, it's going to slow right down. Um, I think a lot of people are, are really Which misunder- is all true, by the way. Oh, well, I don't think it is. I think that's the oh, problem. I, think it I actually don't is. think it is. I think this is a different 
architecture of computer than people are used to. They're thinking of it like it's an Intel chip, and it's not. The memory is actually on the die. That yes, makes a massive if, difference. If it is getting too hot, and there is no fan in the Mac Mini or the MacBook yeah, Air, it is going to throttle itself. But, but it's, the people are forgetting it's a 5 nanometer <laughs> process. Yeah, yep. It's not going to get as hot as people are used to with Intel. And those no, chips are more efficient true. anyway. They put these things in iPad Pros, for God's sake. Well, they put a variant yeah. of the iPad Pro. Yeah, I know. But the point is the iPad Pro is not known for hitting thermal throttle limits and slowing down. You're also yeah. not doing stuff on the on the iPad that you're going to be doing or potentially well, doing on the Mac. Yeah, well, again, I think if you're doing if you're hitting performance limits for a long time, like you're doing rendering and stuff like that, you are going to want you are going to want to wait for the higher end models. You're going to want probably wait for the 16 inch Pro version because yeah, that will be the one that really the M2 will hit or something. The t- yeah, but Which you know I think what? Most- probably going to be the M. I think the second generation is simply going to be the first generation, and they put multiple boards in it. But maybe who knows? But the point is, is that um, most people are not whatever they think they're doing. They're not hitting those sorts of limits, right? Not, and that, that's know. kind of my point. When I look at my average use now, I am not the same Mac user I was ten or even twenty years ago. I'm just not. I'm not doing heavy video editing. I'm not. I'm just not doing any kind of heavy lifting on my Macs anymore. Which is why I went with when I had to get a Mac. You know, six months ago, I went with the entry level one and just simply upgraded it. And yeah. it's way faster than anything I really need on a daily basis. It, it's yeah. not going to record this podcast any faster. It's not going to export the file from this podcast much faster than I need. I mean, I can export yeah. an hour's worth of, you know, audio in about three minutes, if that. I don't even think it takes that long. I think it's like two minutes. And I think it's actually few and far between people who really push the limits of most modern computers now. Right. Even with even with video, I mean, you can you can edit edit HD and even a little bit four K video on a, on a regular iPad. Yeah, people forget how much more powerful these computers are than even the ones well, when from you say a few edit, years ago. Now, there's a difference between the home guy like you and I who yeah. imports some footage and clips it together and maybe puts a soundtrack underneath it and exports it. That's nothing. Yeah, that's quite different than people who are doing real video video editing and effects and stuff like that. But they're not the buyer for this machine anyway. No, exactly. And that, but that's my point. But an awful lot of people will say, "Oh, I edit video, therefore I need a top end rig." And they are the sort of guys who only do those occasional bits of editing. They, they, you know, they do some Twitch streaming and then they maybe capture those and re-render them for YouTube or anything. They're not professional youtube producers or professional video producers they just think they are and they think they need a top-end computer they think they need to spend two and a half thousand dollars on a mac pro or five thousand dollars on an imac pro because they think they need it and then they sit there and don't use a lot of that capacity the big deal for me with these machines as well is battery life these these things have epic battery life I heard yeah. that the the uh, uh the mac mini has amazing battery life <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure it. Sure, it does. The clock on, that's yeah. running that. The yeah, battery that's right. That's running yeah, that clock. literally the last few yeah. years. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, look. I, as I said, I have a Windows and ARM machine. It's sat right next to me here. I use it a fair bit. Um, and the one thing that's great about those, in particular, is the battery life. I can get. Eat, this is a faster one. It's not the first one they did. The first one they did, I regularly got twenty hours out of it. This one, I can get fifteen hours of of you know office type work, which is the sort of work I do on it. The problem with the Windows ones is that they have smartphone chips in. They've had to throw more performance at them because the emulation at x 86 on ARM is 
quite slow. Um, so if you're running an x86 program under Windows on ARM, all the ARM stuff in Windows, like Edge and um, anything the Windows system does, is perfectly is is really quite fast. But as soon as you run up uh, an older app that's that's being emulated, you get variable performance. It's not even that it's particularly slow. It's just that sometimes it stutters. Sometimes you have to wait. Um, and sometimes, you know, you switch from one screen to the other and it just kind of hangs until it comes back. Um, and, you know, the thing with battery life with computers is very few people are on their computer all day long. They're on it part of the day, but they're also on their phone. Yeah. Um, and let's talk about that for a second. Yeah. I, by I, the way. yeah just, just before we get into that, though, I would say that that was the way things used to be. Right. Now that people are working at home, they're actually on the computers all day. and But they're, they're not, plugged in most of the time. Uh, well, yeah, maybe, maybe not. Sometimes people like to change where they're working. Um, sometimes they don't want to be plugged in because they want to charge their phone or plug something else in and they don't have a lot of space. I, I'm, you know, I'm working in one of these environments and, you know, like my son, for instance, will often want to work down on the kitchen table. He just finds it more convenient, nicer to work there. Plugging his laptop in there is a, is a pain in the neck. He would love to be able to have literally eight, ten-hour battery life. He doesn't use his phone because he's on Teams all day. So all his calls, all his messaging and everything like that basically is going through the computer. So the iPad or the iPhone, of course, everyone knows, Yeah, updated. I have an, uh, an iPhone Pro 12, and Julie has the iPhone 12. And a friend of mine got the iPhone 12 Pro Max. Right. And it's exactly the same specs as mine. He got the blue one, uh, 200 and whatever gigs of storage, blah, blah, blah. Um, So I got to play with it a little bit. And one of the first things I do when I'm comparing the new iPhone to the old iPhone is fire up the camera app point it at something and just look at it on the screen yeah. and and see what the quality is. And I was expecting maybe the, the Pro Max to be a little bit better. Um, and I know it's going to be in low light. Yeah. But other than that, I was kind of expecting the same. What was funny was that just pointing at his desk at a pen, it was, and I cranked up the, the resolution or the screen brightness and everything. Yeah. They're exactly the same. His gave way more natural light. Mine was much brighter. Mm-hmm. So that was a little bit perplexing because if you look at it in person at the real light and what it really looks like on the table, you could actually see it better on my phone because it seemed to have brightened everything. Um, no loss of detail. It was just simply brighter. And then yeah. I look at it on his phone and it looked more true to life. And it was noticeable. Now, this is not a scientific review. I, you know, I didn't take pictures. I didn't bring them into uh, my Mac and look at it. But just looking at the image on the screen on the various phones, his looked more natural. Well, I think I think the reason for that is that they are aiming the Pro Max at professional <laughs> photographers. They're basically saying if you want if you want to use an iPhone camera as a semi pro camera. This is the one you want. And I think they've skewed the way it presents and takes its images as more natural because that's what professional photographers want because they want to be able to creatively adjust it for themselves. The rest mm-hmm. of us, it's, it's kind of like, you remember the, you remember when screens suddenly went glossy? Yeah, yep. We all used to have matte screens, uh, especially on the Mac. The Mac was famous for having matte screens, yeah, which give you a better, more natural, um, less 
modify Most color glittery, look, yeah? yeah and then the whole of the industry and eventually apple too went to glossy screens because they look better so the yep. so the average eye they the colors look more punchy um there's more contrast and the the way they reflect light from the environment off even though it's actually in some some circumstances harder to see to the human eye it looks more inviting but yep. it's actually it's actually less true to life i think <laughs> exactly. this is a, i think this is a similar sort of distinction here is that they know most people with most iphones they want the punchy type colors the things that look slightly oversaturated slightly more poppy and they know that natural photographer uh, that regular photographers um even even like you know a, a not even a pro, maybe just like an, you know, a dedicated amateur or something like that. They want something that looks more natural. And I think they're skewing the phone presentation and the way the stuff in the phone works towards that. And I, I, I'm not trying to say that, that it's just a software mod because the Pro Max does have a different chip in it, a different CCD that has larger pixels. Um, and, and so will perform, as you say, will perform noticeably better in low light. Uh, and any sort of challenging situation where you've got, I, I had I had something on on a podcast the other day. They said if you're taking pictures of kids who move around fast, because all cameras kind of look the same. If you go and take somebody outside and stick them under a tree and take a picture of their face, they're all going to look pretty good. Yeah, but if you're running, you've got you've got toddlers running around you and you're trying to catch them just as they jump over a puddle or something like that. The Pro Max is going to give you a better result than any other iPhone camera for a situation like that, even even in a well lit scene, just because all the optics and all the um, electronics in there are just better because they've got more space. So I actually have been experiencing that now. I came from an eight Pro, um, no, an eight Pro, an eight Plus. Ugh, naming conventions. <laughs> and it took good pictures, no question about it. Uh, it, yeah. it took really good pictures. The pictures with the my 12 Pro is way better. Yeah. Except in one key place, and I've noticed this, if I'm moving my phone at all, the 8 Pro or 8 Plus still capture the picture and it was pretty good. Yeah. I'm getting more blurry photos with the 12 Pro than now, I did with the 8. Did the 8 Plus have optical image stabilization? Yes. I think it did. Now, and what does the 12 Pro have? I don't does know. Does that also have? Because that could be the difference. Yeah. Uh, I've got, but I've got I've be, noticed I'm, that there's more blurry photos, and it's yeah. just barely even moving something will give me a blurry photo. And I've, I thought, I, you know, it's uh, funny, funny you should say that, because um, you know I have that camera it's like the dji thing that uh, i talked about last year the osmo pocket which is like um it's like a um a drone camera on on a on a little handheld gimbal so they just released a new one of those recently and i I thought stuff i don't use mine enough to really um justify justify replacing it yeah justify replacing it but then at the same time i saw that they released a new version of their gimbal for smartphones right which is and i thought stuff well actually that's that's more compelling to me because the camera in my phone way more often i'm using my phone way more often the camera in my phone is is going to be better yeah Mm -hmm. now the problem with those gimbals in the past has always been to kind of put your phone in it is a pain in the neck because it's a it's a much bigger thing and you've got to pull the spring arms and everything like but this one dj figured that out because basically you know get a little magnetic dot that goes on the back of your camera back of your phone and then it just magnetically sits the gimbal so you can take it on and off as you want i thought that sounds far more interesting to me so because you then you get the be- on that then 
Yeah, I'm I'm thinking about it. I haven't done it yet, but I'm thinking about it because that sounds that sounds to me like the best of all solutions. Plus, as well, they, they it comes with still with the spring arms if you want it. That's magnetic too. So then you could have two cameras. You could have one of the you know I could have one of the kids' cameras on there as well. So if they wanted to use it, they could uh, as well. Uh, and then every year when your phone camera gets better, that means your gimbal shots get better too. So um, I'm I'm toying with that. Yeah. And and the the point about a gimbal is it solves that problem you've got because you stick it in there and it's like it's like the phone never moves. It's like magic. You still there? Hmm. Wire is still up, but I hear no Tim. Has he had to leave the scene? Yeah, I, I think I can hear him in the background. Has he just wandered off and not told me? And he's expecting me to cover for him, and I'm doing a spectacularly bad job. Where'd he go? I'm not. I'm right here. But you've not been speaking. No. You've just been leaving me hanging in the wind. It was fun. <laughs> we'll the biggest the thing I noticed be the judge between of that. <laughs> the 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 biggest change I've noticed though is the size. Now. Yeah. Coming from an 8 Pro, or an 8, Jesus, an 8 Plus, I compared my two phones together, the the 12 yeah. Pro before I sent the 8 Plus back to AT&T, yeah. and I can fit the 8 Pro, or the 12 Pro, inside of it, yeah. and yet the screen is way bigger. I'm talking 20%. It's it's not even it's, close. What is this sorcery? It's, it's, it's like, wow, that's really, really impressive, just getting rid of the home button. Which brings up another point. I missed the home button massively. Uh, I've got to um, be honest with you. I just got. Um, I, I just received my. I ordered it several weeks ago, but I received my uh, iPad Air four the, uh, yep. the other day. Uh, and I want to come back and circle around to the Max about about this in a minute. Um, but the, it's a very similar thing on that. There's no home button now. The and Touch ID has moved to the power button, and it's fantastic. It really, really is. It's yeah. a perfect solution. They should have this on all the phones. But secondly, I mean, it's a similar sort of thing. I've gone from uh, the uh, the regular iPad, the entry level iPad, which were, I think I think the one. That, so I've got the previous gen, so it's ten and a half inch screen. This one's only eleven inches big, but the screen because it goes far more to the edges feels a lot bigger. Yeah, I mean, it feels it feels huge compared to to my uh, iPad sixth gen. Uh, and uh, while I mention that. Um, I do recall that that uh, Brendan emailed us in a couple of weeks ago and said, you did the iPad, so you never talked about the entry-level iPad, and it's a fantastic value, fantastic computer. And he is absolutely right. So, so, you know, but here's the thing. This is this is what I'm, what I'm coming to now, is that if you look at the iPad Air, it's fabulous. I mean, it's a really, really nice iPad. And I look at this and I think, hmm, I, regular iPad, great value. iPad Air... It's a fair bit more money, but it's a really, really good iPad. I mean, it's it feels like a Pro iPad. I've had the Pros in the past. Wherefore, wherefore the iPad Pro? What does it do that the iPad Air can't? There are a few things, but again, we go we're back in these edge cases again. Now you look at the MacBook Air M1 at nine nine nine, and then you go, okay, so that's got the keyboard. It doesn't have touch, but it has the keyboard. It has the Touch ID, all of that can run regular Mac programs. Oh, now it's going to be able to run iPad programs as well. So that's pressing down on the iPad Pro line from the other end. So, you know, 
touching the Pro Max, yeah. my the reason I went with the, with the twelve regular one was size. My my eight plus was, I thought just a tiny bit too big for your pocket, just a little yeah. bit. But it, I always knew what pocket it was in, and I did want to go a little bit smaller, but I I did not want a five size screen. Yeah. You know, I didn't want that. I wanted a bigger screen, but I wanted a physically smaller device. So that's why I went with the 12, and I didn't go with the 12 Pro Max simply because I just, I, I had a feeling it was going to be too big. Uh, and my fear I've, uh, yeah. was 100% justified. So, so it is let me ask huge. you. Yeah. It is way too big. Holding it is... <clears throat> Quite honestly, it's uncomfortable in my hand, and I've really? got big hands. Yeah, and I thought this is this is stupid. This is way too big. Now the guy who bought it bought it because he does a lot of video. Yeah. Um. So I I get where where his justification, and he's even saying, yeah, it's pretty big, but look, it still fits in my pocket. Well, yeah. When you say it like that, though, that's not really a positive. That's not a selling point. It still fits in my pocket. Yeah. Well, you, mean, could, that, you could probably yeah. put a magazine of bullets in your pocket, but that doesn't mean it's going to be a banana clip. It doesn't mean yeah. it's comfortable in there. I have a couple of pair of trousers I might be able to fit an iPad mini into my pocket. We that need to bring back the parachute pants. we got to bring back <laughs> parachute pants. So, I, I mean, that's that's a key thing for me because I carry my phone in my, in my front right pocket. Yeah. So if my phone has to be able to go in there and without kind of getting in my way, really. So uh, Pro Max would be off, and, off that for me. But interestingly enough... Uh, Leanne last night she put her phone down next to mine as we just before we sat down to have dinner and she said I still think that phone is too big she's got a, an SE2 yeah. so she's got something that's an iPhone 7 size and she said to me she said well I'm, I've got a regular 11 she said I still think that phone is too big so you know it just depends uh, part of it is, is what you're used to but it's also kind of you know it's a different thing for different people at least Apple has more choices now um, well, yeah, and that's I think that's key because we not everybody, you know, wants or can even really use a bigger phone. If my wife's hands are not big, right? Yeah. On my 8 Plus, she just felt like she had to go too far. Yeah. Even though the screen's bigger on See, I didn't I didn't tell her which one. I just let her pick out the colors. I wasn't yeah. going to get her the smaller screen because what she was doing, I knew she would actually benefit from the regular 12 size screen. Yeah. And she seemed to really like it. And even though the screen itself is bigger, it's a smaller device than my 8 Plus. Yeah. So she she just, she's taken to it no problem. If I handed her a 12 Pro Plus Extra, whatever the hell the name of it is, um, it would be way, way, yeah. way too big. And here's, here's some a bit of anecdote for you. So uh, I think I mentioned on the last show that we're replacing all the 10Rs in our company with yeah. 12s. Yeah. So I basically, I did a, a Microsoft survey. You send out via email that lets people fill in a web form to tell you what they want. So I offered them, you know, all the different colors. And I basically said, right, there's two models. We're not doing the pros because they're too expensive for the company. So I said, there's two models. There's a 12 and then there's a 12 mini. And I, I put I put diagrams on the form. I linked to pages. Uh, I I put a, a chart on there that showed how they how they changed how they. F- I, I know which one everyone yeah. wants. Yeah, and everybody went for the regular twelve, and we had that's twenty seven people, and yep. one person went for the mini. And I bet you of those twenty seven people who who went with the regular one, 
I would bet more than half of them wants the blue one. Uh, yep. yep. You are you are absolutely dead on. Yep. And There's you know something what? something about that blue phone, and that's the one I got. It's the one Julie yeah. got. Now, my blue on the 12 Pro is different than her 12, which I, 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 I get why. They, hers is much more vibrant. Um, yeah. She actually likes my color more. I think that I think honestly of all of the phones that I've seen, and I've seen quite a few now in person, I do think the 12 Pro Blue is by far the nicest looking color. Yeah, I don't know who wants that green. It's ugly. Yeah, it's interesting what how Apple are experimenting this. My uh, iPad Air is blue, sky blue, <laughs> and I got to be honest, it's it's you can see it in natural daylight that it's yeah. blue, but it's like a steely blue, right? Um, in in night at night under it's, artificial it's light, <laughs> yeah, you can't even tell the color. I, yeah, I've got to be honest. The first few days I had it, I only because I was working. I only ever really picked it up and used. And I'm waiting for my case to come in, so I've not been using it as much. But every time I picked it up at night, I kept on going. Did they send me the wrong one? Because this just looks like grey to me. Yeah. yeah. And and I then I after a couple of times of doing this, I actually went to check the box to make sure it said sky blue on it, and it does. And then I thought to self, mm, must make a mental note tomorrow to look at it in natural light and see what colour it really is. And it's so subtle. I mean, it's quite nice. Yeah. But it's so subtle. It's it's not what I would call sky blue. And I think it's interesting to see how Apple has been experimenting with these different shades to try and find what they want. But I agree. I was I was really kind of surprised when i saw the survey results because it breaks everything down by percentage so you know it was it was you were absolutely right i was right there i've got the things here in front of me 65 percent of all the 27 people said they wanted a a, a blue iphone 12 yep so a couple yep. of and then there's a few people who want the product red um uh, that i get you know. too yeah it, and, that, and the red that, pops out i those are the two yeah. that i was coming down to i was like i kind of like the red one too and i bet I just like the blue. I'm going to go with the blue one. Yeah. It's almost yeah. the same blue as my Sequoia. So there was that too. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, there's still, I don't know. They've had, have they had blue phones before? Uh, well, they had the 5C that was a plastic blue, but that's yeah, not really, that's that was like the, a turquoise. Turquo- and, nobody, and nobody bought the 5C anyways. It was a complete, it's the one Apple product in, in the iPhone line that was kind of a dud. I, yeah. Everybody is, who bought one didn't keep it long. Nobody yeah. really liked that phone. I'll, t- I'll tell you what, I bought one for my daughter as a spare school phone. She's not yep. allowed to take her regular phone into school. So this is the phone she has in a bag and turns on at the end of the day in case she needs to call us. And she abs- when I first gave it to her, it, she got the blue one as well. She absolutely, she went, wow, this looks so cool. It's, you know, she really, really liked it. But maybe that was the thing. It was only kids who liked it. Yeah. You know. Well, what happened to the sea line? It just disappeared well, no, you they, know why they, yeah no they pulled it because it wasn't because it wasn't selling yeah Mm-mm. it wasn't a big enough it, it looked well here's the thing to me this is personal opinion it looked cheap it and that's kind of what the whole thing for that phone was it was the cheaper iphone yeah but it wasn't it that cheap though. cheap no it wasn't but it <laughs> looked cheap yeah and it did not look as nice as the you know the regular iphone at the time so i'm not surprised that they didn't continue it, um, and and do they really need three versions of it? I don't think so. But they yeah. still have it now. They have the SE line, they have the the regular twelve, the twelve Pro, and now the twelve Pro Max. I mean, that's four right there. Can you still and you can still buy the eleven? Yeah, but they do that every year. I mean, they're going to keep the the last generation around for a little bit for the budget conscious. Uh, they also still do they still have the the ten R? 
I think they might still sell the 10R. I don't think that they're making any new ones. I think the ones for you sale. You think they're selling out? out. Yeah. 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 Once yeah. they're gone, they'll it'll disappear. It's, it, yeah, I'm looking on the uh, Apple Store in the UK that's still for sale here. It actually really irritated me because I found out while we were doing the replacement planning this week that our HR department, after the, the 11 came out last year, they were still buying 10Rs for people. Yeah. And it's just like, well, right. So now... Now that makes it hard. What do we do? Do we have to replace all of them with the latest phone? Or do we say, oh, some people have had only had their phone for like nine, nine, ten months and we're going to give them a brand new one? And it's like, well, yeah, because you bought them the wrong phone, dumbass. Mm-hmm. They should be on 11. You know? Yep. So, so uh, I, anyway. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm very optimistic about this new lineup of Macs. Um, I have no fear, you know, that they're going to be duds or they're going to be slow or there's going to be heat issues or there's going to be a line of angry people, you know, demanding their right to be able to upgrade their machines because you can't, for those who don't know, it's not that it's hard like in mine to upgrade the Ram because with my iMac, I got to take off the screen, take every single thing out of it to get to the back of the motherboard to swap out the Ram or the SSD. Um, you, it's you can do it, but it's a huge pain. It really, yeah. really is. You cannot at all upgrade the RAM. Well, you can't, yeah, you can't. I, I, you probably, if you were, really had to go at it, you could probably replace the battery in these new machines. Though you'll have to remove a lot of glue. But the right. entire com- the entire computer is one chip. Is, it's, it, I mean, that's it, what people. Well, it's. It's more than one. Ch- it's a, it's yeah. it's the same board. Yeah, but the but, guts of the computer. Right. Unlike in the past, you know, with the Intel ones, you had processor, and then you had a separate part that was uh, the GPU. Some was built into the processor. Yeah, but the memory was separate on the board. Now it was it was soldered in because it was surface mount memory. You couldn't change it. The SSD originally was was a separate part that is now also sold onto the boards on the intel max so you can't change any of those either the difference of this is all of that has been shrunk actually onto the main processor it's it's part of integrated chips on the board itself you cannot upgrade these machines period at all yeah and they come you know effectively the full logic board comes complete on a single chip out of, out of the factory and then the, the rest of the electronics on the board is I mean, effectively it's put together much like an ipad mm-hmm. imagine you know because it's based on the same architecture makes sense right you know, just in the you, same way you wouldn't expect you can't upgrade to, your ram in your yeah. phone or your ipad you can't yeah. in your max at all either, either. and it, i think it, there's going to be a very small but vocal especially on the reddit boards that you're frequenting yeah. that are going to be pissed off and screaming and um, taking my rights away. Um, and and I am a big proponent of, of fix it yourself. I think that should be a thing. But man, you know, I'm not fixing my microwave. I'm not fixing. You can't. The same thing with TVs nowadays. You don't. Yeah. You don't get a flat panel TV. I don't even care if it's a 60 inch that you paid, you know, nine ninety nine for. You're not fixing it. It's yeah, not. And, it's not fixable. If it goes bad, it's gone forever. You and, do not uh, yeah. fix it. And even in the industry you're working in, cars, it's becoming more and more like that. There are still oily bits that can be changed because they're physical, but actually the brains that run the car, you can't, you can't tune, you can't tune up a car now without plugging a computer into it, and changing Correct. software. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, if if an engine control unit goes on your car, you've got to take it out and put a new one in. You can't fix it. Right. You know, 
you can't change the ignition system on a car anymore. You well, can't, um, sure you know. Can. Well, yeah, big game. It's a software thing. It's not. Uh, it's not physically changing wires and messing with the alternator and, and stuff like that, is it? And this well, yeah, most of them still are. You know, they still have distributor caps. Well, no, it's it, no, it's different yeah, well, than that. But I mean, yeah, well, it, you can still fix. You can't. It. You can't retard the ignition. Well, but you, can, but you don't throw away the whole car when it goes bad. No, no, I agree. But what I'm saying is there are more and more parts of the car that are effectively, you know, replace it if it breaks because you can't fix you can't that part fix of the it. car anymore. Right. You, yeah. if, if, if your control module in your car goes bad, you replace the control module. You don't fix yeah. the existing control module. Yeah. Same thing in the computers. Yeah. Same thing in your phone. Same thing in your TV. Same thing really in your microwave, unless you got a really old one. Um uh, to wrap this up, I watched this video. I, I don't. I, I haven't subscribed to this guy, and I find him kind of. I don't know, annoying. Um, there's something about his voice. Uh, he uses this falsetto voice, right? If you will. Oh my god, and guys, uh, and I'm like, oh, you're yeah. doing that on purpose. It's that's you don't really sound like that. Why are you talking like that? I it's get the, why he's doing yeah. it, but it's the, it's is it the camp voice or it's the uh, kind of trying to make you feel at ease by being? He, he probably feels it's a friendly voice. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Yeah. Um, but his content itself, when you get past his kind of grading on my nerves voice, yeah. Um, his content that he's producing is actually really good. I can't tell you his name. I don't remember. Um, but he looks at old tech stuff. Right. That's kind of his thing. And he said uh, toasters, for instance, peaked in the 40s and 50s. That was the height of technology for when it came to toasters. They haven't gotten any better than they did then. And they were actually putting more. And I'm talking about a slice of bread toaster. Yeah. Not a toaster oven. Although those haven't really changed in a long time either. Um, but that was the height of it. You know, they had so many different innovations and different things that you could do with your toaster back then um, that now it, it, toasters are a toaster. They're cheap. You know, there's a couple companies, I think Philips is one of them, that has a very high end toasters, but it's, it's kind of stupid. Um, when it came to microwaves, they topped out in the 90s. Yeah. And he showed this microwave that had built in all kinds of stuff. Like you can go to baked white potato and push a button and it cooks it perfectly every time. It's got sensors and it didn't just turn off, you know, uh, actual cooking for a few minutes and and turn it back on. It adjusted the Megatron magnetron and and the frequency. And it it was quite honestly kind of freaking cool. And it way looked like a 90s microwave. Whereas microwaves that you buy now are way more stupid. They really are. Uh, like, for instance, every the big thing that everyone makes in, in microwaves now is what? Popcorn. Yep. So almost every single microwave has a button that you push and it says popcorn. And, the, and it just knows that the average microwavable popcorn is this foldable envelope that yeah. has this much and it takes this long to cook. So that's what it does. Whereas the old ones would read, um, you know, via sensors, the size of the bag, how much popcorn was in it, how long it needs to cook. Yeah. It, it would adjust everything. And it was it was amazing. Now, you, you can still get those, but you have to spend a lot of money. I think part of part of this is that 
is that manufacturers in in white goods found that there wasn't a lot of demand for a lot of these features so they started pushing them up to the high end and so you can get them i have a uh, a tumble dryer from and a washing machine from a company called mealy yeah and mealy is we buy them because unlike most of the the, the modern machines which are designed to last about three years before they break and you gotta replace them mealy is like an old school company their their units regularly last 10 to 15 years and we were sick of every three years having to go out and buy a new machine. So, but the, and, and my, my washing machine has sensors in it that adjust the wash depending on the load and uh, the type of clothes in it and everything and the, and the um, powder we use and all of that. And the tumble dryer is the same. Tumble dryer is fully automatic and it will change how long it spins things, how much heat it gives them and everything based on moisture. Scent. You can actually see the sensors lining the bars inside the tumble dryer. But these, these things are like um, seven, eight hundred pounds each, you know. So we still reckon we're coming out ahead because we're not replacing them as often. And you get those features. But yeah, down at the the regular end, the 200, 300 pound tumble dryer, they just don't bother putting that stuff on because, again, they're designing these things to last three years and they know you're going to buy a new one anyway. So why put the extra features in? I'm looking for the 90s. I'm trying to find that video because I think you would enjoy it. And since I talked about it, it's kind of would be nice, but darn yeah. if I could find yeah, it. Now. I think I think you'll find that most browsers have this thing called a bookmark, which allow you wow. to go back to a place you've been on the web before. It's a, it's wow. incredible bookmark innovation. Will will th- only help you if you bookmarked it. And <laughs> exactly. I it. The uh, I, I think I think Can you're you going to come up that the yeah, browser yeah. hit peak technology in 2000 when they invented bookmarks. Yeah, it kind of did. Here it is. Um, Technology Connections, all right, is the name of the guy. Is the name of the show, and um, it's on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, it, his, well, his his voice just grates on me. But this is actually a pretty. Yeah, hello and welcome to. Oh, shut up! Uh, here's the link I'm sending you. Oh, yeah, microwave microwave peaked in 1997. Yeah, yeah, I see it. Yeah, yeah. It, it's actually a really interesting video, and it's one that. You know, kind of reminds you that not all technology is better than it used to be. Most of it is, let's to be honest, but not all of it is. I mean, some of it, they got to a certain point and they said, you know what, this is good enough for everybody. We were talking about printers not very long ago. Um, yeah. They topped out in the 2000s. They haven't gotten any better. Well, uh, well actually, I mean, let's let's bring this back around to the topic of today, to the, yeah. the M1 chip in the Mac. Okay. You could argue that this is a cycle we've seen in, in computers as well. We had the invention, then we had kind of the mass market, then we've had a, a period of, of innovation uh, and you know new technology. Then you get optimization where it all gets driven down to a single point, to a single you know the best type of design, which I you could argue where is where you are today with the system on a chip. And yes, going back to what you're saying about repairability, you could argue whether that's better or worse. But it's yeah. it's best from the point of view of the engineering of the system, the building of the system, the cost of the production, all have you. And once once you've reached that point, then you'll either get a loss of features as the thing becomes mass market and commoditized, or or you'll get. Um, you know, improved features and uh, and the best of the best, but you got to pay a high end price. And that's kind or, of where we are. A or, lot of people are complaining. There's, there's one thing that you're missing there, or replacement. Yeah, 
and the replacement for what we're using right now with our computers, because that's what your phone is, that's what your iPad is, that's what your computer is. They're all computers, right? Yeah. And it's a generic term, which means it has a microprocessor and it has memory and it has storage capacity. Um, it runs software. It runs software, um, dumb software, but software. Yeah. Uh, that only you know does what it's instructed to do. So, what is the next step of that? You know, what's going to replace it? Well. To me, it seems kind of obvious. Quantum computers. We'll still call them computers, but quantum with artificial intelligence that can yeah. make in its own determination. Yeah. Uh, that's what's coming next. I think we're still yeah. 20 years away from that. But we already have quantum computers at, to a limited degree. Yeah. Uh, whether I mean, whether quantum computing will be the platform of choice, but I think the key thing there is the AI. Yes. Uh, AI is going to get better, and we will get to that point over the next 15, 20 years. Well, but they need quantum type of uh, architecture um, technology because AI isn't going to do really well with current processors. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but I mean, it, it will improve, but you're, yeah. you're probably right. We'll probably need new platform. But that's, that's the next switch in computing. It's when the computer becomes less of a tool you use and more of a tool that helps you. Yeah, and yeah, I think when, that when we need it, it a different does, term other than computer. Yeah, I think the exactly. term computer is just, it's way too vague. Exactly. You know? That's but like saying vehicle. Well, yeah. what do you, you mean? A plane, a, a train, a car, a bike, yeah. what? Yeah. It, it, and it's going to be this, the transition where when you sit down to do work, rather than you having to drive everything and make it happen, the, the device, let's look at move away from computer, will do a lot of that for you because it's capable of doing the things you want it to do without necessarily being told. Yep. And and it will effectively what then it will be like it it'll be like a proper assistant. Yep. It will be a like like and and it will be another transformed the the rise of the microcomputer transformed um pretty much everything on the planet eventually because it allowed you to do work far more efficiently than you could before. AI is going to do that again because AI is going to mean that it's going to be a fourth multiplier. It'll be like having two consultants or two salesmen or uh, two guys on the plant line rather than one because one will be able to do the menial task without supervision and the other one will basically be saying, right, next we're going to plan this, next we're going to plan that. Yep, And it's going to change a lot of things. It's going to be something like Dave, Dave, I'm sorry, I, I can't let you do that until you get your COVID vaccine, Dave. <laughs> it's like, you it's can't like, drive your car, yeah, Dave. It would be, yeah, it's basically going to be, Hal, open the pod bay doors. I can't okay. do that, Dave. You've already had three Nespresso's today. Yes. <laughs> it's bad for you. <laughs> yep. Yep, that's what's coming. I'm looking forward to it. Oh, to yeah. Someone else in charge. Yeah, you know what? And, and yeah, when we're... Um, when we're in our cups in the retirement home and our kids are, in, are our age now, they'll be saying to their kids, oh, I remember when you had to type on the glass screen to make the computer do anything. You actually had to touch the screen? Touch the, yeah, they won't be keyboards. Oh they'll be like, oh, yeah, you know, you had there to swipe. There was a piece of glass in metal. You had to swipe on a piece of glass your, to make yeah. it. Oh, my God. <laughs> the, it, there, was, there was no holographic technology, really? Yeah, that's right. No, yeah. no VR. Yeah. All right, so with that, we're going to wrap up this episode of Tech Fan. Um, we're going to say that w- we did get a feedback, someone uh, asking to come on the show. I know you probably saw that too, Dave. Yep. Uh, David. And <laughs> I went back to Dave there. Um, so we're going to reach out. We would definitely like to get more people on the show. Uh, yep. I had a nice 
maybe half hour conversation with Owen Rubin the other day on the phone. Oh yeah. Owen's and always king. Owen's going to be coming back on the show. It's a bad time for him. It's, it's like four 30 in the morning for him, but he is keen to get back on. Of course, when we have Owen on the show, whether it's geeks pub or tech fan, can't talk about Apple stuff because he works for Apple yep. uh, and I know what he's doing there. So we just can't really, and that's cool. I, we don't want to get the guy in trouble and there's, a whole worldwide things worth of talking about. Um, and the other person is uh, an engineer at Twitter. So oh, that we will need be to reach out to him and uh, set up a time yeah. for him to come on a day. And uh, don't mention talk, the Donald shop. Yeah. Don't, yeah. Don't do that. Oh, um, I really hope that's going to go away soon. I, you know, I mean, I hope after he's not president, Twitter will just go, we're done with you. Go find your other, go find a different platform. Yeah, he's not a world leader then. So they can start yeah. just banning him. Um, he's hoping you know, he's going to start Trump's either going to start Trump TV which quite honestly I think that's what his plan was I don't think the guy ever actually wanted to be yeah. president I think he ran to do one of two things to well he ran to give himself a higher profile to do one of two things one of them was to get the apprentice back on the air um, because he still talks about ratings and stuff as president yeah. shut up what are you are you stupid yeah. I, I, um, even, I, I, t- I heard him talk about seasons the other day yes. in reference to news i think it's yes. something like oh fox news has been really bad this season it's like what are you talking about there's no season moron <laughs> you're, you're not on the apprentice anymore yeah um so it's it was that or to start something like trump tv yeah so we're gonna get trump tv or he's gonna have his own show regularly on Fox. Ah, you know what? We could have avoided the last four years if after winning the election we could have we could have just said to him and said, Well you you can either really become president or Congress will pass a law to let you have to pay for Trump T V for four years. Yeah, he would have jumped at Trump T V <laughs> in yeah, a exactly. Yeah. And we could have avoided some stuff. Yeah. We lost more listeners right there. That's okay. Yeah. Because Yeah. Our show. No well, we we will we will I think we'll do we'll have we'll we'll, we'll Watch an extra show when Trump TV starts. We'll have um, Tech Fan, Geeks Pub, and then the Trump TV cast. Yes, that would be awesome. (laughs) All right. I'll see you in a week, David, on Geeks Pub, where we're going to talk some more Mandalorian. More Mandalorian. Oh, so good. And Star Trek. We'll get back into that. Yeah. All right. See you then, David. Bye. Bye.